Hello and welcome. I'm Matthew from Rosie and Rosie, investment property specialists, helping you invest in property with confidence. Today we're with experienced financial planner and self-managed super fund specialist David Siostrom for a special two-part podcast on buying property in a self-managed super fund. Welcome David and thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Matt. David, property and self-managed super funds have each been the topic of conversation at many barbecues and increasingly you and I both have had experience working with people who want to use their super fund to purchase property. Today I wanted to talk to you about what it means exactly to purchase a property in a self-managed super fund, the advantages and disadvantages and answer some of the more commonly asked questions people have when considering if this is an appropriate strategy for them. But first, David, tell us what is a self-managed super fund and why would people want one? Well, Matthew, a self-managed super fund uh, allows a person to set up a fund uh, themselves that they would control and potentially manage. Uh, it can have up to four members. One of the main motivations for doing so would revolve around a choice of investments, which would include property or even unusual things. Collectible items could be stamp collections, wine or you know, whatever interests people and also flexibility around things like estate planning what happens to your money if you you eventually pass on mm, okay um, so potentially a great vehicle for owning property david tell us more about buying property in a self-managed super fund um, for example what are some of the tax benefits of buying property within versus outside of a super fund yeah certainly um, well that's that is a big uh, a big issue uh, in the decision to use a, a super fund to buy property Initially, um, the tax benefits that you'd get as opposed to owning it in your own name could be fairly similar, but really the, the end game where you get maximum benefit uh, is when you come to your retirement years, uh, because at that stage, it's possible to derive tax-free earnings and income from your super fund investments, and that would include rent from the property, or if you were to sell the property, uh, you wouldn't pay any capital gains tax either when you're in a pension phase. So they're very powerful tax benefits that uh, support retirement uh, as well. Mm, so tens if not hundreds of thousands Correct, of dollars yes. of um, tax benefits potentially. Now an SMSF, if we can call them that from here on in, can be used to hold commercial or residential property. David, can you tell us some more about some of the implications of buying commercial and or residential property in your self-managed super fund? Yes, yeah, certainly. The um, I think uh, you could certainly hold either in a, in a self-managed super fund. Um, one of the key differences is that with a commercial property, for instance, a business owner could actually have their own self-managed super fund own the property and they could rent that property from, from the fund uh, and uh, pay rent to the fund and they achieve a, a, what we call a tax arbitrage or a, a tax benefit in doing that. By contrast, if the fund owns residential property, the fund cannot rent that property to what we call a related party, mm -hmm. which is a very broad range of people, and that would include other fund members, relatives, business associates, and people like that. So you've got a few more restrictions on who you can actually rent the property to. Mm. Good. I know you've got a recent case study like this. Can you tell us about that and how that business owner benefits from purchasing their own commercial premises using their self-managed super Yeah, fund? yes. In that case, we had some people who were involved in the fabrication of lines, awnings, and also uh, kitchens and, and so forth. And they actually wanted to set up a showroom uh, for their business. They set up a self-managed super fund, rolled their super uh, benefits into that fund, which provided the 
deposit, a sizable deposit if you like, to then purchase their own commercial premises, which they rent from the fund, which they would otherwise not been able to do using their own savings um, and, and whatever. So that's, that's worked pretty well, plus they're getting a tax benefit in doing so. Yep, yep. In regards to the process, David, what's involved in setting up a self-managed super fund? Yeah, there's, I guess the first step there is really securing the, the documentation you need, which would include a, a trustee, which is effectively the rules of the fund, and also perhaps setting up a company to act as the trustee of the super fund as well. You then register the fund with the tax office because you need an ABN and a tax file number. And once you've done that, you're pretty well set up and ready to go. Um, You set up a bank account as well and then use that to purchase investments on behalf of the fund. So you're on your way when you've done that. Yep. And what about some of the, the costs? There's some upfront and some ongoing costs? Yeah, yeah. Usually for the legal documentation and setting up the fund, costs probably around about $2,000 as a guide. Also the ongoing administration of the fund, which is really the accounting function. You've got to keep records, uh, also lodge a tax return with the tax office every year. And also the fund needs to be audited to ensure that it complies with the law. And that would probably be two, two and a half thousand dollars a year, somewhere around there. In addition to that, if you're also receiving advice from someone like myself, a financial planner, uh, around the investment portfolio, perhaps insurances, death benefits, things like that, then there's obviously those additional fees that the advisor would charge for financial advice, mm. as opposed to the actual administration of the fund. Yep, yep. And uh, I might just add that that's uh, all without using debt. Um, we haven't really touched on borrowing within an SMSF, but this has become more and more popular over the past decade and adds a little bit more in terms of the process and the fees. Yes. David, tell us your thoughts on using debt within a self-managed super fund and perhaps who it might and might not suit. Yeah, I think it can be a very powerful strategy because we know that if you're borrowing or leveraging assets, it can magnify your returns, can also magnify losses as well, but over time can work very well. Uh, for that reason, it's really suitable for people that have got a long time frame, probably around about typically say seven to 10 years at least before retirement, mm. if they're going to do that. Uh, it would be also someone that's got a, a fairly high uh, risk tolerance given that um, borrowing introduces more risk to the investment situation as well. It could also suit particular people as we've, we've spoken about, like, uh, like business owners or people who are looking to diversify their portfolio. They might just be holding shares and cash, which is often the case, and they want to buy property to, uh, mm-hmm. to diversify that portfolio and, and, and really overall reduce risk as well, yep. provide some more returns. It's been my observation over the years that there are a lot of people who set up a self-managed super fund with the intent of buying an investment property, but they never actually do. Yet they're paying these fees annually to keep things going and yet haven't found the right property or, or haven't decided to uh, purchase anything. Yes. David, do you have tips for these people or for investors specifically who are looking to uh, purchase an investment property in their self-managed super fund? Yeah, you're like, I'd, I'd agree with that, uh, your comment too, Matt. And I think what if people are going to go down the track of setting up a fund and to, to buy a property, I think probably the three things they need to be have very clear in their minds is how the strategy works. Also, um, be very clear about what their goals and objectives are. And then ultimately, they really need to take action. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, as you said, they are, they, they are wasting their, their, their time and it can be a very fruitful strategy. Yep, yep. Excellent. Um, look, David, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. Um, but before we let you go, how can people follow or get in contact with you if they want some more information? Yeah, probably the best way is to go to my website, which is www.davidcostrom.com.au. And there's a, there's a, um, a Seek Advice button on the website where they can contact me via uh, email or, or, or uh, phone.
Thanks, David. And thank you, listeners, joining us too. We hope you found David's insights to be useful. If you have any questions for David in the meantime, uh, I'm sure he'd only be too happy to hear from you. Similarly, if you have any questions, queries or feedback for us, please send them in, comment below or email hello at rosieandrosie.com.au. We'd love to hear from you too. It's been a pleasure having you with us, but it's time for us to go. Until next time, I'm Matthew from Rosie and Rosie, helping you invest in property with confidence. Wow.